Let's stand together reading Psalms 26, if you would, tonight. Psalms 26. I'll hold this up. I've been using this little lantern as a visual aid to my own self. Years ago, we had an, we honored all the Sunday school workers, and this was the theme. It was called Lighting the Way to the Next Generation. And uh, each element of this lantern represents some spiritual truth. And uh, we talked about the... Uh, fervency of the wick, how it needs to be bright, and uh, Romans 12, 11, and then we talked about the anointing, 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 10, where Saul was anointed by oil from Samuel, and several times throughout the Bible, and we left off talking about the anointing. I'm going to talk about integrity tonight, which is the real you, it's the, it's the container. Hang on just a second. My hearing aid is not working right. When I get to heaven, I'm gonna be, I'll be in good shape. <coughs> there we go. Anyhow, integrity is the, the container, and that's the real you. And uh, it's important to realize that every individual needs to walk in their integrity and in God's integrity. Let's read a few verses of Scripture and then talk about living a life of integrity. Verse 1, chapter 26, follow along, please. Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord, therefore I shall not slide. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins, try my reins and my heart, for thy loving kindness is before mine eyes, and I have asked, excuse me, I have walked in thy, in the, in thy truth. I have not sat with vain persons, neither will I go in with dissimilars. I have hated the congregation of evildoers, and will not sit with the wicked. I will wash my hands in innocency, so will I compass thine altar, O Lord, that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving, and tell of all thy wondrous works. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house, and the place where thine honor dwelleth. Gather not my soul with sinners, nor my life with bloody men, in whose hands is mischief, and that right hand is full of bribes. But as for me, I will walk in mine integrity. Redeem me, and be merciful unto me. My foot standeth in an even place in the congregation will I bless the Lord. Let's just say those last several words. I will bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord. And all that he said, he finally come back again, giving all the credence and all the glory and all the power and all the majesty to the one that's worthy, and that's God himself. Chapter 25 deals with the same subject. Seemed like David's confessing over there such a need. And then verse 26, he's presenting his case before uh, God to be sure that he was doing right and walking right. Don't write David off as a bad character, even though he made some terrible mistakes. Well, the hideous sins of adultery and murder at the top of the list. But the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. So you take it up with God. God don't see through the same eyes that we see through. Were those sins terrible? David reaped in the rest of his life. 
He'd have wished to God he'd never done what he did with Bathsheba and Uriah. But still he was used of God mightily. And we praise the Lord for the, the fact that it's in the Bible. Many of the Psalms written by David himself. Father, thank you for the Survivors Kids Club singing. Thank you for Larry singing an old song. We'll stroll over heaven with each other one day. And Lord, don't know how it's all going to be all together, but one day, perhaps, you'll take us by the hand and lead us through the promised land. What a day, what a day that will be. And Lord, time will be no factor, so it won't matter if it takes a million years in human language. One day we may have the opportunity to put our frail hand that's now glorified in the hand that's nail-scarred and be able to walk through heaven. And Lord, I hope that's the case. One day, somehow, some way, we express our love and adoration to you, for we want to bless you. Lord, we want to be less and you be more to bless the holy name of God. So, Father, we're looking forward to the day when the battle will be over and the last war has been fought and we'll go to be with our Savior. There is a heaven. And, Lord, thank you for it. We rejoice in the wonderful truth tonight. In his wonderful name we pray. Amen. May be seated. I was listening to Clarence Sexton preach today on uh, fundamental broadcasting in my car. Of course, he died a few months ago. But he says, I want to tell you about heaven. I want to tell you there is a heaven. I believe there is a heaven. He gave four reasons why he believed there was a heaven. He said, the Lord Jesus come down from heaven. The Lord Jesus went up to heaven. The Lord Jesus coming back to heaven, from heaven and describing the wonderful assets of heaven. But listening to a dead man speak is such joy. And what a truth, tremendous thought. After all these years, we can read or listen to old preachers still preach the truth of God by the way of technology. Let me give you two stories right quickly to illustrate and introduce the integrity. I may not get very far with it tonight, so just bear with me. There was a son who got into drugs terribly. His daddy was terribly upset about his son and having difficulty doing anything with him. And so he asked the preacher to come by and talk to the daddy, and if he could talk to the son, we'd be fine. And so the preacher came by, and the man, in, in all right, very distraught, um, and he was very disturbed about his boy, and it was difficult to make him stop, and the longer he went, the worse he got. And so they were, the preacher was talking to him, just trying to comfort him and trying to give some encouragement in the battle, because we all have battles. And many of us have been down the road fighting family members who have a drug problem. So you can understand the extent of that. But the phone rang in the midst of the conversation. And uh, the phone rang and the wife came in and said, told the husband, it's, gave his name, said it's for you. And the daddy said, tell him I'm not home. And the preacher said something after they got through. He said, I don't know if the drug's the problem of the boy or the daddy. The daddy is a liar, and his boy is a drug addict. That's a scorching sermon for us, failing sometimes to maybe do what's right. You ought not never lie. You agree with that? Lying's terrible sin. Maybe his son learned how to lie years before that. But another, he told another story similar to it. He said his, his daddy had a daughter, and she was trying to decide where she'll go to school 
would go, go to work at. And she was going to go get a job for the summer. So she had, had two, off, two possibilities. The first possibility and the second possibility. And summer was coming very quickly and she wanted to work all summer and make some money and be able to apply to her education. And the first job came available. She really won the second one, but the first job came available. So she told the employer that she would love to have the job. So she took the job or the first job that was available and said the second one, which she wanted. And so the man was explaining the situation. Finally, she went to work and the second job came available. Now she had a problem about integrity. So she went to her daddy and she said, Dad, I got a problem. I'm not sure what to do. And he said, what's the problem? She said, well, I went to work with the first job. I really wanted the second job, so I want to quit the first job and go back to the second job. And so the daddy said, did you take the first job? He said, yes. Did you commit yourself for the summer? Yes. Then what's the question for? What's the conversation about? Your integrity would say, I want to do what's right. If I told a man's going to work for him all summer, then I'm willing to work for him, not change mine in midstream. And I read those two little stories on edification. It helps us to get the priority right. Integrity is a must in Christian living. And David talked about it several times, and other times Job talked about it. If you want to find somebody who talks about integrity, you read the book of Job. It's two times, I think, at least twice. He makes references to integrity in that, in that book of a man who was persecuted by the devil with the allowance of God to let him do it. And he still had integrity, Job did. And then it come down to when he lost everything and he was about to lose his own health and everything else. And God said, Job, have you considered my servant? I mean, to, to Satan, have you considered my servant, Job? This is the second time he said that to Job. Have you considered my servant? He's perfect. That means well mature. He issues evil. He hates evil. And he has integrity. He will not see, and I'll put him to the test. I'll allow you to do whatever you want to do except kill him. And that great book come forth from the older times to help us to understand that he did right. So the two words that pop up in the two stories, you've got hypocrisy and you've got integrity. Everyone sometime around, around the block and around our lives, if we're not careful, we are full of hypocrisy. Or at least we danger on hypocrisy. We lie sometimes like the man did in the first story, lied about his son or lied about the phone call and said he wasn't home. I used to work with the man. I think I've told this story before. Uh, his, he was blind. He run a company in Alabama. And so I needed a job by vocational pastoring church. And he gave me a job. And it was a fence company and a pipe fitting company. And, but I was, my responsibility was to help him in the office uh, and keep up with the orders and check the inventory, etc. So that was my job. And so I had an office here and he had an office here and the door in between. And uh, his name was Tom. He's in heaven now, as far as I know. And somebody would call want him on the line. And I would say, Tom, they want you on the line. He said, he said uh, I don't want to tell them I'm not here. I counted the very same problem in workforce. Tell them I'm not here. 
I said, I'm sorry, I can't do that. He said, don't you work for me? I said, I do, but I'm not going to lie for you. I said, you can go outside, and I'll tell him you're outside if you want to. So he walked outside, and then he said, can I talk to you? I said, he's outside, and I didn't lie. He's outside. I felt like it was on the, on the bridge of lying, even then. And he wanted me to lie for him. He'd become a dear friend when I moved here to North Carolina. He came to see me. He had his manager of the business drove, drove him. They went down to the beach for a while, come back over on Ben Avenue, and we fellowshiped. And Tom said, James, it's so good to see you. Blind as a bat. And he said, the ocean was never more beautiful than this time of year. It is right now. And I said, well, wonderful. But I wonder what would have happened to our relationship if I had lied for him. If the hand of God would come off my life. Integrity is a very valuable asset. We're talking about not lying, not being hypocritical. To be hypocritical is to, uh, to is, is a, working on the word sincere. When you talk about sincerity and you're not sincere, you're putting wax in something. For instance, they would fix a chair and they would fill it full of wax like it was a new, new, new chair. And then they would clean it all up and set it for a new one. But there was wax inside of it that was not there originally. And so it means without wax, being sincere is being sincere, is being real, being true. And so it is when sometimes we look at our love. How sad the first word sometimes comes up a lot around Christian churches. When people say things like this, and I mentioned it Sunday, I think in the sermon, when somebody says, boy, if that's Christianity, the woods is full of them. I work with this guy every day, and he cusses more than I cuss. You develop a lot of illustrations and stories as you go through life. Sitting at the Myrtle Beach Pier one night, Nancy and I was on vacation. It was about 12 o'clock at night. I was sitting out there fishing, or I was out there, I was out there doing something at the end of the pier. But uh, this guy, one other guy, it was so funny to me. We sat there talking, chit-chatting, and I said, where are you from? He said, Kannapolis, North Carolina. I said, Kannapolis? Oh, that's amazing. That's where I'm from. He said, no. I said, yeah. I said, I reached over to him. He said, my name is James Pauley. I said, he said, what do you do? I pastor Faith Baptist Church. Been Ben Avenue back in those days. And he said, well, I know where that's at. And he said, I go. And he gave me the church's name and gave me his pastor's name. Well, he kept pushing the beer cans away. And then he started cussing. He'd been cussing somewhat for that, using some, you know, cuss words. So I had the privilege of saying to him, well, I know you're a pastor real well. I'm going to tell him I run into you down at the beach. Now, here's a guy who's playing the game. He never cussed again. He never drank anymore while I was there with him on the pier. Why did he stop? I mean, I, I, he wasn't sinning against me cussing. And I've told folks, they say, I'm sorry I cussed. I don't, you need to tell the one that you're cussing that you're sorry. I don't like it, and I wish you wouldn't do it. But you're not cussing me. You're cussing the, my father, and I don't appreciate it. I wish you wouldn't do it. But anyhow, there's hypocrisy. And I don't want to be guilty of that in my life. Uh, you know, it's easy sometimes for all of us to drift into hypocrisy and pretend 
to be something we're not. Hypocrisy is wearing a false face. Or is that the right word? That don't sound right. A mask. False face, is that the right word? Okay. Wearing a mask. And you're trying to pretend to be somebody, not actor, is another word for it. And people get on the stage pretending to be somebody else, and they, they were actors. And so sometimes they were, they were called hypocritical because they weren't genuine. Genuine, genuine hypocrisy or genuine integrity, which is the choice. And integrity is a must. Turn to Psalms 25, verse 21, right above where we said. David said, let integrity and uprightness preserve me. For I wait on thee. Let me get it right. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on thee. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. David, before he got down to asking God to judge him and to examine him, he said, let integrity and uprightness or godliness, integrity and godliness preserve me. Someone said what that really was doing, God was going to grant his request and give him two bodyguards. And those two bodyguards to help him to walk, in, to walk right and do right and to live right, one was integrity and the other was godliness. If you walk with integrity, walk genuine, genuine in your steps, you'll have a lot more easier, not a lot more, have a lot more, it will be a lot easier uh, to be able to live right when you walk in integrity. And the uprightness is so important to preserve me for I wait on thee. Job 31.6 Job 31.6 Speaking of Job a while ago he made a reference to this thing of integrity. He said, let me be weighed in an even balance that God may know mine integrity. Lord, I want to be weighed right. I want to be on the scales of justice. David's going to say, Lord, I want you to judge me. I want you to examine me. I want you to try me. I want you to prove me. I want to be sure I am what I am. As far as I know, I'm living right at this time he was. I'm living the, the right kind of life. I walk in my integrity. I'm not lying to you, God. But all these things are happening. All the oppression was happening. All the difficulties he's facing. He talked about his enemies in the pre previous chapter. But Job said in his episode... I want to walk and know my integrity. I want to know I'm telling the truth. The whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help me God. And I'm going to tell you what, it's a world full of lying and deceit and uh, all kinds of misgivings. I just sat today and thought for just a few moments, and not, not a long time, but all the corruption that's in high places. You name the person in high places, just about, and you, you don't take you long to come up with some kind of, uh, it was something that was wrong, that was guilty of some terrible sin. And I'm not saying that they can't be forgiven, but they just do it naturally. They lie, they cheat, they rob. I, you know, if Mr. Biden's got secret accounts across the world and made fortune on the decisions they made, I mean, it's just public knowledge. He's done it. His boy's done it. And then you take the other politicians that's had to resign because of the, the problem they're having with financial decisions. 
Let me be weighed in an even balance that God may know my integrity. Go back to the early part of Job. Job chapter 2 and verse 3. And the Lord said to Satan, Satan, hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man? That's what he desired to be here in chapter David did. Integrity and uprightness, godliness and integrity and godliness that they will preserve me. Job was told by God or, or to, to Satan that Job is a godly man, one that feareth God, escheweth evil, and he holdeth fast his integrity. In my notes, if you saw them, they're typed in bold letters. He holdeth fast his integrity. We're talking about Job who was a mature, perfect individual in his life, nothing righteous, more righteous than Job was, and yet he had all these possessions and I'm blessed mightily by God. He holdeth fast his integrity, although thou movest me, you movest against him to destroy him without cause. Although, talking to Satan, you're moving against him to destroy him without cause. You're trying to move me to kill Job. I'll not do that. But I'll let you test him. I'll let you get, let him go through some things. Whatever conversation they had. And destroy him without a cause. And then his wife chimed in and said, probably rightly so, why don't you just curse God and die? And she said, will you retain that integrity? I mean, after all you've been through and all we lost and heartaches and heartbreaks, and here we are going through more testing, will you stay true? Are you going to remain true to the Word of God and walk in integrity? Proverbs 11.3 The integrity of the upright shall guide them. So trying to bring it all together and trying to keep the words uh, flowing as I want them to. Let integrity and godliness preserve me. Lord, I need some bodyguards. You know what that does? It helps fight off the devil. What fought the devil in the temptation that Satan brought against Job was integrity. Do right. I like what Dr. Bob Jones used to say, the old man. He said, Do right if the stars fall from heaven. I heard him preach on television or some crusade before he died, president of Bob Jones University. He'd always kept his hand and he would say, Young people, do right. Do right. Do right if the stars fall from heaven. And down through the annals of time, one of the characteristics of great people is integrity. I don't agree with everything Billy Graham advocated in his latter days, but he was a man of integrity when it come down to uh, women, come down to finances. As a matter of fact, they said Billy Graham would have a, a crew that went ahead to him in the crusade. They'd go to the hotel where he's going to be staying. They'd go in the hotel room. They'd check under the bed. They would check in the closet. They wanted to be sure there'd be nothing that would harm his testimony. They would be called on television, called on camera somewhere along the way. And they kept up with all the finances, made it a public uh, issue, what much money he took in, what, what salary he received, and what, what the finances were. And one man said, I've been with him over and over and over again. One thing I can say about Mr. Graham, he was a man of integrity, and I believe he was. Uh, Well-respected around the world. Doctrinally-wise, we may have been a little off-base different than what he believed in those latter days. But the fact is, all of us need to walk with integrity. My, my, my model is not Billy Graham, and my model is not Joe. 
they're inspirational, but my model is the Lord Jesus Christ, who was perfect in all ways. He was completely perfect. And you say, well, we can't be perfect. But don't you think we ought to have a desire to be perfect? See, the way you know that you're righteous, that you're pleasing God, you have a desire to do right. And when you do wrong, it really bothers you. And if you get to the place that don't bother you, then you've got some problems. You're losing your integrity. But when you walk in, your, in my integrity, walk in thy integrity, walk in my integrity. I want to walk to please God. And the integrity of the upright shall guide them. I need help. I need people to help. They need some power to help fight off the, the forces of evil. It's sort of like Psalms 23, where he says, you know, I'm going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And he comes down to the end, he says, surely goodness and mercy. And many times in funerals I use that as two pallbearers. Everywhere that you go, they followed you. Surely goodness, goodness, you can't have goodness without God. Surely goodness and mercy. And who of us can say we don't need mercy? David talked about the loving kindness in this passage when he began to pray. Oh, we mentioned about how God loves him. Not only that God loves him, but he has loving kindness. That exemplifies, builds to it, exalts it even more. It's one thing to say he's loving, but to say loving kindness, adding to that word and making one giant uh, word out of it adds credence to the whole story. So God is looking for people of integrity. The bodyguards assigned to an individual like David was uprightness or godliness and integrity. Wait upon the Lord, and thy strength shall be renewed. They shall mount up wings of eagles, and you shall run, and not grow weary. You shall walk and not, not you shall walk and not faint. Just wait upon the Lord. David said, "For I wait on Thee. I gotta have integrity." And when you read Psalms 26, there's only 10 verses, 13, 12 verses. It's all filled with this thing of, I want you to search me. I want you to look at me. I want you to judge me. As far as I know, I can check the box. And he couldn't check the box when he committed adultery and he, when he committed murder. But when that's settled, that's under the blood. And you've got another opportunity to serve God. If he'd have never got robbed of the Lord, he'd been a miserable failure in our eyes and everybody else's eyes. But he come down to the conclusion, David realized, I have sinned against God and against him, him only have I sinned and committed this great iniquity in Psalms 51. When he prayed, it was one of the most searching, scorching prayers that's probably been prayed by any servant of God. Oh God. And you could hear the moaning and the groaning and the pathos in his voice as he weighed out what he had done and realizing that the hand of God's judgment was in motion of chastening him. And even though he got forgiveness, he had to reap terribly in the loss of his kids, in the loss of his family, in the loss of a lot of the influence in the country. I mean, David couldn't build the temple. He thought he should build the temple. And God said, no, it's going to be done by, by Solomon. He'll build the temple, not you. So David spent his latter years gathering the funds the resources, the plans, and everything to see that the temple was built and knowing that Solomon would be the king to take over. So you've got bodyguards. Thank God for bodyguards. 
Somebody talked about it one time. You're walking down the street and you realize that behind you is Jesus falling right beside you. And somebody comes up to attack you. John O'Rice would say it this way. When they put a gun in his belly and said, if you don't give me your money, I won't kill you. He said, don't you threaten me with death. That's a pretty good statement. And he says, if you're going to shoot me, you're going to kill me. You better put it up a little higher. My heart's over here, not down here. Well, we may not always be as brave as John R. Ross was, but the fact is we learn sometimes that we are protected mightily in our life. The angels of the Lord protect us. That's in the book of Psalms, 1991 through there. The angels of the Lord encamp around about those that fear him. Walking in their integrity. Now, if you don't have if you don't have integrity, God can withhold the bodyguards. And those bodyguards, if you're not walking right, they're not there to strengthen you and help you. It could be He allows you to go ahead and mess it up, make some failures out of your life. I've been there, done that, got a T-shirt. I think all of us sometimes have failed the Lord. But there's a certain resonating peace on the inside when you're walking integrity. You're not afraid. You're justified in the eyes of God. You're not afraid of God. God is not a bully waiting to slap me into hell. God does not hate me. God loves me. And lest you forget it, you're in the family. And I'm a child of the living God. And because I'm a child of the living God, God wants to bring chastening to me. For what reason? To make me better. Any child of God, any child of God, if you receive not chastening, then you're an illegitimate child. You don't belong to God, because God, those whom He loves, He chastens. And if you're without chastisement, the biblical word is bastard. That's what you are. You're illegitimate. But we're not. We're in the family of God, and so we walk in our integrity. Angels on the backside, so you got the bodyguards of integrity and godliness. Then. David said in Psalms 86, Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. I want to walk in truth. What is truth? Truth is integrity. The angels, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God is looking for a people of integrity. I want to be a man of integrity. Do you want to be a man? Or a woman of integrity? The answer ought to be yes. Because if we're going to have our light shining brightly, we're the container. And the container needs to be pure. The container needs to have power. And the light's going to shine more brightly as it's trimmed off and looked at. But the container itself needs to become one that's full of integrity. I hope you have trouble lying. I hope you have trouble being immoral. I hope you have trouble with every sin there is to name. And I put my name right beside the list. Also, I hope I have trouble with all these sins that are tempted. There is no temptation taking you, but such is common to man. But God, who is faithful, will not have you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will with every temptation also make a way of what? Escape. So God wants to help us. He just wants us to learn how to walk in our integrity. 
and faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God, the truth will make you free. And walking in integrity will make you free. And even David said, I won't, I won't redeem, redeem me. Redeem me. What's he mean, redeem me? Let me be free in Christ. Let me be able to walk in freedom and to realize that I can walk in my integrity. And you, you words you bond, and it ought to be true to the end. Years ago, I went to see a banker uptown when I first came to town. I was 25 years old. I went to see, uh, I can't think of his name right now. He came to me just a minute. He was up at the old bank for years. Good man. And uh, I put on the best suit I had, and I walked in. And I, I was sort of nervous about the whole deal. I introduced myself, and he says, have a seat. He said, so good to see you. Good to meet you. And he said, uh, first of all, thanks for dressing up. I said, well, uh, thank you. I'm not saying that makes you any more better, but I, I didn't want to make a good impression on the banker. Back in those days, bankers usually dressed up. And I said, thank you so much. He said, you know, you all borrowed money before from us, and we let you borrow money again. But your word is more your bond than the signature on the piece of paper. We like to deal with folk with integrity. And now he was telling me what I needed to know as a young preacher as a young Christian, as a young man who still wet behind the ears. He said, if you're not careful, your outcome, your outcome, your outgo can be your downfall. If your, out, if your, if your income exceeds your outcome, it would soon be your downfall. Or if you spend more money than you got, it'll catch up with you. I said, yes, sir. I'm sure that's true. And it is true. I mean, you get some more, you got to get a handle on things. But I sat there for a while and enjoyed the, the lessons indirectly that a banker was giving me about integrity. We got to have people we trust if they work for us. I need people with integrity. I look for managers who have integrity, that their word is their bond. Some may slip up and fail along the way, but you look for people with integrity. So I want us to be a church with integrity. I want us to have a good name in town. I want us to, we may not be the biggest church in town, may not be the richest church in town, but I hope we can have integrity. As far as I know, all of our bills are called up to this day. And then we have more bills next week. We've lived from week to week for all these years that I've been here and even before then. God's been faithful. Sometimes he does the miraculous, does the unusual. And I can go into a lot of stories about that over the years. But I'm just thankful. I just want to be true to God. And I close. I've never signed a check. I have no idea what the offering is until after the fact when they count the money. And we usually have more, we have more than one guy counting the money. One several guys counting the money to be sure it's done right. When it goes to the bank, we want it to be, if it's, if it's a mistake made, we want to correct it quickly. Because it's God's money. It's the way it ought to be. I don't know the combination of the safe. I don't sign checks. I'm just a pastor of the church. But I'm going to do my best until I die to walk with integrity. I've not always done that. There's been times I've failed the Lord, as many of us have. But my desire is to die with integrity. His word was his bond. He meant what he said and said what he meant. I hope you feel the same way. 
Because that's what David said. Search me, judge me. See if there be any wicked way in me. And what a wonderful, wonderful truth it is coming from men like David. Let's stand together, please. Thank you for your kindness.